Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of Inside the Mind of an Entrepreneur. Oh my god, this is the episode you've been waiting for. I talked to Dustin Johnson and it's just, what an amazing story. We talk about drugs, cop car chases, uh, ADHD, smoking weed, health, wellness, the whole gamut. So I hope you really enjoy this one and thanks for listening. Essentially, to get what I wanted. So, so how how did that work out? I mean, what what's the stupidest shit you ever did? If you want to share. <laughs> All right. Well, when I was 15 years old, I got in a high speed chase with the police. <laughs> wow. I had eight cop cars. I'll revise the story. Um. So my daughter was born, and while a month after she was born. While she was, my wife was pregnant, and even then, I was on house arrest. And my daughter was born, and as soon as she was born, I decided to go home and have a celebratory joint with all my <laughs> friends while on house arrest. Best word to put. And your mom saw that. Yes, yes, she did. Wow. So she took you off the drugs, and so did your your grades start improving? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I my grades improved, but my self esteem went down because now I had teachers in school telling me that I should be back on my meds because I talk too much <laughs> to only being able to see her through a TV screen twice a week. It really put things into perspective for me uh. and that I needed to, to stop choosing myself and start choosing her, not my wife in specific, but my daughter. Hello. Dustin. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Good, good. Doing great. How was the New Year's? Wonderful. We were when we went to Minnesota and or Minneapolis to be specific, and we went to a New Year's Eve show. So we were dancing all night watching the ball drop. It was a great time. Ah, so nice to be young, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta live it while I can, you know. That's right. That's so true. Now nah, we didn't do anything special. Just uh, hung out with friends. But that was a nice night. You know, years, yeah. ago, years ago, my wife and I used to go uh, downtown to Times Square. And uh, that was crazy. Oh, I bet. Times Square? That yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. It's you, one of those things you got to do in life. You know, it was on my bucket list. So I'm glad I knocked it off when I was uh, in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I might have to do that myself. Well, I'm still able to keep myself warm outside, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, if you if you get to that point, just let me know. I'll give you some give you some good tips. All right. Sounds great. So awesome. So happy to have you here with me today. Um, happy so, to be here, man. Thank you so much. So let's uh, let's get into it. So tell me a little bit about um, what your business is and uh, how you end up getting to you know do what you're doing. Well. Um, I guess I can start when I was younger, I uh, got, I'm a health and wellness coach, but I specifically want to pinpoint on mental health. Um, I grew up and when I was seven, I had, I was told that uh, I had ADHD by doctors and realistically, I just like to talk and move. And, um, and so they put me on Ritalin and Adderall at a very young age when I was seven. And then when I stopped taking it, it really had some adverse effects on my uh, mentality and my weight. And then as I got older, I when I began to abuse drugs because I was just one of those kids that got in trouble all the time. And um, after so long, I had, a, I had a child, fast forward a few years, and then I have a child with my, my current wife. And I decided like none of that was for me. And I wanted to start taking, I wanted to be there for my kids. And, um, but I was overweight and I hated it. And I just wanted to be thin and I lost a bunch of weight. I, well, I stopped drinking pop when I was um, 20 years old. And then I lost 80 pounds in six months. Wow. That's, that's, so, that's amazing. So let, let me just rewind back a little bit. Go ahead. You were diagnosed with the ADHD. How old, how old were you again? Seven seven years old and yeah doctors these days they just unfortunately they that's the first thing they do is prescribe meds so yeah so how long were you on the uh how long did they have you on the ritalin and the adderall for uh i was on ritalin for two and a half i had two and a half three years all the way up until the end of third grade and then when i started fourth grade or no to the end of second grade so two years 
And and then when summer break started at the end of second grade, my mother took me off of it because she said that I wasn't being me. Huh. That's so funny, isn't it? That, yeah. you know, they, they put you on this medication because why? Because you were being you to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So that that was so awesome that your mother had that insight that, you know, so did she see things in you that, you know, because there are so many parents out there that, you know, their, their children are diagnosed with ADHD. And, you know, that, that unfortunately, the doctors that did prescribing those drugs, the Ritalin and Adderall, it, did your mother see anything or what was her thought process? Because, you know, that was what, 20 years ago or so? Yeah. So that was when this stuff really started coming out. So was there anything that she saw? I don't know if you can speak to what she saw or, or she thought the reasons why you should stop, you know, taking that. The reason I should stop or yeah. start? Stop. Stop. Um, she said, she said specifically my grades got worse and she said, there's no, I thought she thought that was the whole purpose of me taking it was so I'd be better in school, but I was getting worse grades. And then I didn't talk like I'm a very talkative person. I'm a very outgoing person and I wasn't outgoing or talkative. I was just kind of sitting there watching TV, basically being like a drone is what they would say. Uh, so the, so the drugs kind of numb you. Exactly. That's the best word to put. And your mom saw that. Yes. Yes, she did. Wow. So she took you off the drugs. And so did your, your grades start improving? Um, I believe so. Yeah. I, my grades improved, but my self-esteem went down because now I had teachers in school telling me that I should be back on my meds because I talk too much. <laughs> yeah. I never heard of anything so ludicrous that, you know, a child that talks too much should be on drugs to shut him up. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't so it. fucked up. It made me so upset. Like, it made me feel like I wasn't a good person or something just because I like to communicate with people. I mean, I thought that's the point of having a mouth and a vocal box. You know what I mean? <laughs> Apparently, I guess it's not for some teachers. No, I, I think they need to choose a different profession. Oh, I, I agree 100%. That's really, that's, you know, so insightful that, you know, they, they were trying to, you know, quiet you down because you, you, you wanted to talk. I, I didn't know, I don't know who diagnosed you, what doctor diagnosed you with ADHD because you, you like to talk. I mean, I, I just, I don't get that. Well, what's even worse is it wasn't, it wasn't even the doctor so much as it was the school. My first grade teacher kept, like, my mom was 20, so she was kind of, well, she was, she was 20 when she had me. So at this time she was like 25, 26 and um, she was in a bad car accident. So her brain isn't all there, all this, all hundred percent. And the school kind of took advantage of that and basically forced her to have them try me, but have me try them. But then after so long, that's when she was like, no, I'm taking control of this. This is my kid, not yours. So, yeah. Well, that's incredible that your mom was so, had you so young, but you know, at, you know, 25, 26 years old, she was so, uh, she had so much wisdom mm -hmm. to see, you know, to see through all that other bullshit that the school was trying to push, push against you and, and, and have you on this drug. It's incredible. Kudos to her. That's, that's amazing. And mom sounds like an amazing person. Yeah, thank you. She is an amazing person. So you are, um, you're going on to third grade. Now your, your grades getting better. Mm -hmm. So what, what what else starts going on? You had this complex that the teachers, you know, didn't want to hear you and you were afraid to speak. So you started telling yourself this story about about uh, how you should be quiet and you shouldn't voice your opinion. Is that kind of true? Yeah, it, it was kind of like I just walked down the hallway trying to talk to people. And like as I was walking into the classroom, that was when Mr. Bowers told me, I don't know why your mom took you off your medication. You should be back on it. And um, and then on top of that was I gained a bunch of weight from being off. I used to be a really thin person. Just naturally, I was an athletically thin. And then when I got off uh, the Ridland, I gained like 50, 60 pounds and was overweight. So not only did I feel bad about myself because other people didn't like me talking, but then on top of that, they made fun of me for being fat. So I, I completely, my self-esteem just took a nosedive down. And um, I feel like that's why if you fast forward, not fat, 
that's why I did great in school. You know, I did, I got my good grades. I've always gotten A's and B's. My first F was in third grade. And that was when I was, or no, no, it was in fifth, fifth grade. But, um, I never really got bad grades. I always did good in school, except for when I was on Ridland until I started getting in trouble in school for what I would like to say was mainly for attention. I just got in trouble. <laughs> but, but when kids I, are kids. Yeah. Kids are kids. But, you know, it's funny how we look back and it's like you look back now at you know, those, those young years in school and you see, oh, I got an F in the third grade. Does that really make a difference now at this point in your life? Not at all. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny because I, I talk to parents a lot and they get so hung up. I mean, I was hung up when my kids would go, oh, you got a D. You're not going to make the honor roll. Shit, relax. Right? <laughs> it's not It's not the end of the world. No kidding. Hopefully they won't go to college and they'll go out in the world and get these amazing experiences and do something they really love in life. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. But... As I, uh, when I hit my f- freshman year, I got in trouble in school and I got expelled. When I got expelled, I told my mom that I wanted to start taking um, Adderall again. So realistically, I started it because I wanted to lose weight. I kept hearing everyone talking about if they took the Adderall, they'd lose weight. And I was still well over, I was like 250 pounds, no, I was 200 pounds, but I was like five foot tall. Oh, wow. So I was a pretty big kid. And um, when I took the the Adderall, I lost all of it, like instantly. But on top of that, I hit puberty at the exact same time, which I feel was probably the worst thing I could have ever done to myself. Because while my body's doing its most transitioning, I'm throwing in a chemical in the mix and just throwing everything out of whack. And um, so going back to that, so that freshman year, you went back on the Adderall because you wanted to lose weight. And I get it. When I was... When I was in my uh, when I was in high school, I I was you know fat. I got bullied and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But get, going back to that, you you wanted to take the Adderall just to lose the weight. And now when you went back on the Adderall, did it deaden your did did it deaden your senses again? You know, made you numb. Did you get all that things back you had when you were in the uh, you know younger? Um, I did, but I but because I kind of knew what to expect a little bit it it wasn't so um influencing i guess like i definitely had anger issues that they would that they told me i would get irritability and like i would be very irritable but i sort of learned to manage it and i just enjoyed the fact that because i wasn't always talking that um people would actually talk to me because if you're always talking and you're never listening, then they're never going to want to talk to you. So it kind of it kind of helped me, but at the same time, it it hurt me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I I, was... I, I, I learned that I learned that uh, be interested, not interesting. Yes. That's yeah. how to win people over. You know, and build rapport with them. So I just want to talk quickly about the um, the side effects and the anger issues. You said you were able to deal with those. Can you share how you know? If somebody's out there, are there kids out there and they're, they're taking Adderall, how were you able to overcome those, those anger issues you had? Was there a secret or something you did? Um, I focused on my breathing, but most of the time I just ignore it. I try to walk away from the diffuse the situation because me being in the situation was not, I wasn't going to calm down while being there. And, um, but I knew if I walked away and because I was on it, you know, I'm not going to lie. I did think a lot more, you know, my brain ran in, in a more efficient fee- speed. So if I walked away from a situation being angry, I could go away for 20, 30 minutes, think about the situation and come back to it. You know what I mean? And that's something that my mom's always taught me that if you have a problem, you should talk about it, not keep it inside yourself. So it kind of gave me the best of both worlds. It gave me a chance to stop and think about it without instantly being upset and just trying to handle it right away. But then I also had the time to think about it to where I could process it thoroughly. That's incredible. So what you pretty much did was, if I can paraphrase what you said, is you change your environment by, you change your state. You, you focused on something different mm-hmm. and that's how you diffuse the situation. Yes, sir. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So you freshman, you lot, you started losing all this weight. What's going on next? 
So um, I was getting in trouble. Like I'd sneak out. My parents were real sticklers on grounding and their version of ground. Well, my dad's version of grounding was you're grounded to your room and you're not allowed to do anything but read a book, sit there or clean the house. <laughs> so, so I love it. So they would do this to me for like, I don't know. It just depends on what I'd get in trouble for. But then when I would say, well, when am I ungrounded? They'd say, when I say you're ungrounded. So as a kid, I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm good. Fuck that. I'm leaving. So when they would go to sleep, I'd sneak out of the house and uh-huh. I would run. I would run with random friends or or at that time I was ste- I would car hop and I'd steal from people's cars and stuff just because I was bored. And um, and so that was another reason why I was on the Adderall was so I could stay awake all night because I would be out all night till like three in the morning. I'd come home, go to sleep, wake up at five in the morning and then get ready for school and go to school. So that's so interesting that that as, as a teenager, you took this Adderall and you took the what side effects are out to it and used it to your I don't, I don't want to use the word advantage, but but you did. You took yeah. the, the weight loss and, you know, keeping awake all night use that kind of like an advantage for your uh, for your teenage years to, I don't know, rebel? Yeah, essentially. To get what I wanted. So so how, how did that work out? I mean, what, what's the stupidest shit you ever did if you want to share? <laughs> All right. Well, when I was 15 years old, I got in a high-speed chase with the police. <laughs> wow. I had eight cop cars... I'll revise the story because it's a long one. But I had eight cop cars follow me about a mile down the road after I went through like four yards and was dragging a bunch of chain link fencing behind me. (laughs) And then I flipped the truck a mile down the road and outran them and their dogs and ran four miles home. Wow, that that Adderall was like a you had superpowers. Yeah, I guess that's what you want to call it. <laughs> and believe it or not, I was even a little overweight at that time. It was really hard to get over some of them wood fences, but I did it. Yeah, you you were uh, you were on a mission. Yeah. So, so, okay, so I don't I don't want to encourage other other young adults out there. Yeah, no, 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 don't do high speed chases. So, what was the lesson learned from that high speed chase? <laughs> um, call your parents if you need help. Don't try doing it by yourself. In that situation, I could have simply called my dad and been like, bro, I messed up. I fucked up. I'm over here with the car, but they're going to take me to jail if I try to drive this. And he could have picked me up. Instead, my pride was too big. And I was like, no, I can handle it on my own. And I got in the truck myself. And yeah, I was slightly intoxicated too. So yeah, you got to throw that in there, of course. Poor, poor, poor decision. Well, mixing Adderall and alcohol is like a big no-no. And that's what I did that night. So yeah, I think that goes with any 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 kind of prescription drugs. Yeah, true that. But yeah, uh, because I stopped. So now, if you go, I got in, I got in enough trouble that I got sent to boy school, which would be uh, a children's version of prison. And um, I went to what they called Camp Summit Boot Camp. Um, and in the boot camp, I wasn't allowed to. They didn't have medication, so I couldn't get this i could either go to this place called north central where it was a dead mouth facility meaning you're not allowed to talk at all or i could go to camps and i could get my meds at north central or i could go to camp summit and get no medication would be able to talk well we've already established i like to talk so i was like fuck north central i don't <laughs> care about the medication i want to be able to use my mouth i'm good on that so i stopped the medication and when i was in they, they have a diagnostic center before they send you places. And I was there for two weeks. I literally sat in a room watching TV all day and only ate hospital food. So it wasn't a lot of food, but it was decent food. And um, and I gained 50 pounds sitting in that room for two weeks from not, oh, take, from not oh taking the Yeah. Holy shit. So let me just rewind back to the, the boys' school, North Central, uh, Camp Summit. Was that court ordered or was that something your parents thought they should do for you? How did that, how did you end up in that situation? Um, well, I went down the line and I was on a house arrest and, um, after, cause I got caught stealing and stuff like that. My mom caught me and she told on me. So I got put on probation, the whole high speed chase that ended up turning into probation because I told my parents what happened and then they, they the cops were looking at my dad about it. So instead of my dad getting in trouble, they put they made me turn myself in okay so i had a a decent criminal record as a juvenile and 
so they put me on house arrest. And when I was on house arrest, I was hanging out with friends. I was still smoking weed. Um, and those are two things you're not allowed to do. I was getting on Facebook and Ma MySpace, which you're not allowed to do. And so they, when I went to probation one day and my pro probation officer went through my phone and he seen all the stuff, like a picture of a joint, text messages <laughs> between a friend. So they violated me and sent me to boys school because I was already on house arrest and was already making mistakes. So the next step up would be court ordered boys school. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. But, um, so then I get out of boys school. I'm not, since I was at boot camp, you know, I wasn't fat anymore, but it just amazed me that I gained all that weight sitting in Logosport doing absolutely nothing. So that's when I really realized that it was the Adderall that was making me, the Adderall really damaged my metabolism is what I've gathered. But, um, so when I got out of boys school, that's actually when I met my wife. Um, well, my current wife, she was my wife then, but, um, we, uh, we hung out for a while and then within a month of us dating, she got pregnant with my daughter. And um, it really was a wake up call for me because like I said, I've been getting in trouble for a long time. My dad's been in and out of prison my whole life. I've only seen him in person like maybe three times. So for me, it was a really big deal to take control of my life for my kid because I didn't want her to go through what I went through with only having one parent. So I took control of my life and I got a job. I, I stopped being dumb and I started welding. <laughs> I, I, started, I love that. I just stopped fucking being dumb. Yeah, because that's basically all I was doing. It was okay. A better word to say, I stopped being selfish because that's basically what I was doing. I only cared about how I felt and what I was doing. I didn't care about the repercussions of others. So like when I was younger and I'd steal stuff from my dad, he'd take it so personal. Like I was doing it to hurt him. And I was like, you're a dude. It's, it's just, I like your stuff, you know? So you I got better stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I just, I just stopped being selfish and I started being selfless and putting my, putting my family before myself. And, um, so I started welding. I, uh, I live in Elkhart, Indiana. It's the RV capital of the world. And we're like surrounded by RV factories. And so I got a job welding, uh, RV chassis. And uh, I rocked that for about five. Well, I did the chassis for three years. And then I went to cargo, the cargo industry and started welding. But I was overweight um, when I was at Lipper, which was about six years ago. I was severely, I was probably 250, 275 pounds. And um, because when my wife got pregnant, you know, I, I gained some sympathy weight. I'd play the video games all day, eat a bunch of food. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 before we go into the, that other stuff, I want to talk about um, being selfish. Was there any defining moment? Because a lot of us, as we're younger, we we go through this phase that it's just uh, me, me, me. Was there any defining moment other than you know your girlfriend getting pregnant? That because I did the same thing. I did everything backwards, and things turned out pretty pretty good for me. I had you know my son before before we even got married and uh so i, I don't believe in any kind of rules in life uh -huh. but was there any kind of moment you know that said okay i can't be selfish anymore um so my daughter was born and while a month after she was born while she was my wife was pregnant and even then i was on house arrest and my daughter was born and as soon as she was born i decided to go home and have a celebratory joint with all my <laughs> friends while on house arrest. Um, our friends come over and then we're drinking or we're smoking. Now I'm like, screw it. I'll do it regularly. Well, I ended up failing a drug test for house arrest and they sent me to work release. And then I got in trouble in work release that same night and got sent to County. And um, so I got sent to County for six months. And when I got out of County, I, I wasn't, I was still being selfish while being selfless for my family. So I hadn't made it there yet, but then I got in trouble a year later and I got thrown back in jail and I didn't work for that year. My wife did. And I just watched my daughter all day. And when I went to back to jail and I went from being able to hold my daughter in my hands at any moment to only being able to see her through a TV screen twice a week, it really put things into perspective for me. Mm. And then I needed to, to stop choosing myself and start choosing her. Not my wife in specific, but my daughter. That's beautiful. That's really awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that.
You're welcome. That's great. So you're welding. Now you're at 275 pounds. Mm-hmm. What's what's going on now? So I um I finally get off probation. I um I start then I started consuming cannabis again. <laughs> I love well, consuming it. My my reasoning was HD and it would slow my mind down. What I think happened uh real quick is my when I took Adderall, I feel like it damaged my dopamine receptors and I was kind of blind they say if your dopamine levels are low you're blind to what's right in front of you and i think i naturally raised my dopamine levels by smoking cannabis and it like removed what i like to call a cloak that was over my eyes which i feel like was created by the adderall and i just raised my own dopamine levels and then i also started working harder at work and um and i stopped drinking pop like i said and stopped drinking so much or stopped eating so much sugar and i lost like 80 pounds in six months. So, and, you, um, so you, you, you were on the Adderall and to, to, to kind of affect that you smoke, smoke pot. Yeah. But well, I wasn't on Adderall anymore. Oh, okay. Once I, I haven't taken, I took Adderall one time since before I went to boys school and I did not like the way it made me feel. So I, I haven't taken Adderall except for that one time in like nine years. Okay. Wow. Good for you. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. So you you so you lost eighty pounds. How the hell did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you read anything? Any kind no. of special diet? How how did that come about for you? Literally, I just stopped drinking pop. I started eating, or I started working a little. I changed. I went from working on a line at where we were building like ten. 10 to 11 uh, chassis a day to building 15, 16, 17 chassis a day and working less hours. So I was running literally all day. I was still drinking Red Bull. So I would drink two 12 ounce Red Bulls a day, but I didn't drink pop. The only, the only correlation that I have is those three, the cannabis, the pop, no pop, and then working a little harder. Other than that, I didn't really do anything yet. So you stopped smoking cannabis. Yeah. Well, how did how did how did you how did you do that? Because there was so many so many parents I talked to that you know their kids are having trouble with with smoking pot because these days the cannabis is so so potent. It wasn't yeah. like it was when I was in my twenties. You know, thirty years ago, it is medical grade stuff that's that's really potent. And people say you can't get addicted to it, and I think that's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. Listen, man, I went, I've smoked weed since I was 13 years old. And up until a week ago, I stopped. It's been a long, hard battle of me with my anger issues and my, like, it's, I have ADHD, addiction, anger issues, PTSD, anxiety. So I use those as my crutch for, oh, this is why I need to smoke weed. And they helped for so long until eventually they're not helping anymore. They're hurting me. And um, so I started doing a lot of research on what cannabis does to the body, how cannabis shrinks your hippocampus, which is why people have memory issues when it comes to to smoking is because they're literally shrinking part of their brain. Um, You can also, when you smoke cannabis, you don't have any REM sleep. You only do deep sleep. And REM sleep is where the mind does work, and REM and deep sleep is when the body does work. Well, if you're always in deep sleep, then your your mind's never going to do work. And I have a hard time remembering like memories over the past five six years. My wife can remember them like it's nothing, and I have the hardest time. And I want I just started adding these things together, like okay, and then the tar that comes from smoking cannabis that's not good for the lungs. The fact that I can't go to if i had the urge to smoke every day i can't go to florida for a vacation for a week without feeling like i have to take some with me which is completely illegal and putting myself in jeopardy so it when people say it's not addicting it's it's not it may not be physically addicting but that doesn't mean it's not mentally addicting so yeah so you took so, all these all these labels that people put on you you know the adhd you know uh anger issues, all these labels that, you know, the teachers and, you know, society put on you and you use cannabis to kind of, you know, help you, help you deal with them. 
Is that pretty much? Yeah. So I grew up with a father that smoked and drank. He drank a lot of beer every day and he, he smoked weed every day. And he was one of those do as I say, not as I do type of people. Mm -hmm. And when we would always tell him like, you should stop smoking or you should stop drinking or whatever. His response would be, well, you wouldn't like me if I was sober. Wow. You wouldn't, I wouldn't be a nice person if I was sober. So as I grew up hearing that over and over and over again, I just kind of adopted that myself. And when I'd go around and people would ask me like, why do you smoke so much weed? And I'd be like, well, I smoke because it makes me tolerable to society standards, which is a glorified reasoning of saying you wouldn't like me if I wasn't high. Wow. You took the same story that your father was telling you when you adopted it. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just, I finally got fed up with it because it's, I'm not in control of myself anymore. You know what I mean? I feel like it's controlling me. If I have to stop to smoke, like just to smoke, it takes at least 30 minutes. You got to roll it up. Then you got to smoke it. And it's, that's wasted time that you could do something else. Yep. So, so I've been trying to quit smoking for four months, three or four months now. No, it's been more than that four or five months now I've been trying to quit and it's, I've been like working my way down the line of why I smoke, why I don't smoke, why I shouldn't, why I should, all that other stuff. Well, I find I, I've tried really hard to quit for um, a week and I was just losing it. I was yelling at my family too much. All the reason, the irritability specifically was why I smoked because it would calm me down and I wouldn't be so angry. Uh Then I I found this stuff called Amari, which is like a biome balancing supplement. And um, they said that they were telling me that it helps with ADHD and uh, irritability, anxiety, all these issues. And I've personally been doing research on the gut biome for like three years. So when she started explaining this stuff to me, I was like, I, I already understood what she was saying. And I was like, really? I didn't think it was cool they'd have something like in a capsule. Well, I ended up I ended up buying some to try it out to see how I liked it. And that stuff has removed all those labels that I just told you I have are gone. My ADHD is gone. My anxiety is gone. My depression is gone. My irritability is gone. My need to smoke weed is now if I smoke weed, it's because I want to smoke. Not because I want to be high. I hate being high anymore. I don't even mm-hmm. like it. I feel retarded. I can't function. I can't hold a conversation with people. There's no way I could have done this podcast right now if I smoked. So I, I, I thank you for that. Yeah, no, no. I hate smoking. So that this anymore. Amari really helped with that. It really balanced out my biome and stuff. And I feel 10 times better and don't feel the need to, for any substance, really, I don't need alcohol or none of that. So thinking back, you know, you said that you you got rid of all those those things, those ADHD and all that stuff. Did you really ever have them to begin with? Or was that just somebody else putting those labels on you? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't have anger issues. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I didn't have a problem paying attention. Because Mm -hmm. there there was lots of times that... um, Like talking to someone... And this, for example, if you were saying something... I would forget what we're talking about and have to listen to key key topics or key words from what you're saying to bring myself back to the conversation. And I lived my life that way for a good amount of time. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't say but then again, you could also argue that the the Adderall made me this way because I've taken it for so long and my body has become used to it helping and aiding in certain things that now it's not there. So my body has to do it on its own and doesn't know how to. So I guess there's a couple ways you could look at that. Interesting. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that the labels were a hundred percent inaccurate, but I wouldn't say that they were a hundred percent accurate. If that makes sense. It certainly does. It does. Now, now you're okay. Now, now so, <laughs> yeah, we should rewind a little bit. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so when I lost all this weight, uh, my wife was yelling at me that I was eating too much sugar and that I was going to get diabetes. So that was a huge reason why I quit drinking pop. Well, then my friend got like four years ago, my friend got really sick with strep throat and um, he started doing research because he won't, he didn't want to have it. Well, he found out the antibiotics while they do uh, help, they kill all the bacteria, not just the bad bacteria. 
and um, he didn't want, and it doesn't remove the, the, what's it, the strep throat. It didn't remove it. It just kind of killed it. So it would come back later. So he started looking into natural ways, like sucking, I guess he was sucking on garlic for a week or something. How but it that? really started, uh, uh, he would take garlic cloves and cause garlic is super, an, uh, is a super antibiotic, just like, uh, um, apple cider vinegar. Yeah. They're both natural antibiotics. So he would suck on garlic cloves and that would, he, he said that, um, that really numbed his pain and it would kill the bacteria that was in his throat. How did his girlfriend like that? Uh, he didn't have one. So he was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was not having it. I was like, I'm going to try this. She's like, no, you're not. I was like, oh, like, okay. Okay. But yeah, but it really started something for him and he started doing research about the body and um he became fascinated with it he would spend five six hours a day just listening to podcasts listening to people like jack cruz and mark hyman and and there's so many doctors that he listened to and he was my best friend so you know i and i've always really cared about i haven't always really cared about my health but now that i'm starting to take care of myself you know i might as well dive a little deeper and, so was um, he was he was he an in, in, influence on on you becoming a health and wellness coach and then looking into, you know, how oh, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. He, he, we were honestly trying to do the coaching thing. We weren't really trying to coach. We were just finding information and sharing it with everyone, hoping that people would listen, you know, like get the idea, but because we didn't have a certificate because we didn't have any type of credentials, you know, anyone can find anything on Facebook or on the internet. So you have to find like credentials and stuff. And so I, I, um, I was listening to a podcast on Joe Rogan and, uh, I listened, he was, he had Chris Cresser on there. I don't know if you know what Chris Cresser is. I do. Yes. But yeah, Chris Cresser was on there and he was talking about how we don't need, uh, philosophers. We don't need doctors. We don't need lawyers. We need trades workers and we need, um, health coaches. And I'm in my head, I'm like, well, I'm already welded. So I don't, <clears throat> I don't need to learn another trade. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. But what's this health coaching thing? Cause that's what I've been trying to do. Cause I, I gave up. I, I kept telling information, but nobody really cared. Cause like I said, I didn't have credentials and I'm, I was only 24. So I didn't really have a lot to go off of. So they didn't really listen to me. And uh, so I told people like, if you wanted to learn, I would teach you anything that I know, but I wasn't just going to keep spouting it off and feel like it was for nothing. And, but then when I found the, I found health coach Institute, um, and it blew my mind away. I was like, really, this is a thing. And I immediately enrolled in in classes and I've never looked back since. So what, what intrigued you though, you know, so, so the health coach and you wanted to, you wanted to help, help other people. Is that pretty much what you want to do? Is that your mission in life? Yeah. My whole life, I've always been everyone's big brother. People come to me for advice. They come to me to talk about their problems like there's a multitude of friends that I just have always been there for. And I figured why not get paid for it? If I'm good at it already and, and I'm already good at helping people, I might as well get paid for it. And I enjoy, I enjoy social being social and being around people and transformation. I enjoy watching people transform because I transformed. I went from this kid that didn't care about anyone. He was stealing from everyone you know, no morals, no, none of that. And now like I have a, a great stance to stand on. And I know that if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I want to help people do that. So, yeah, you have a very inspiring story for others that think that, you know, they screwed up their, their young adult life and here you are, you know, a complete 180, you know, helping yeah. that, helping, helping somebody that, you know, you could have helped yourself if you had you when you were back, you know, in your early twenties, you know, your late teens, early twenties. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the big goal. Cause every, everyone needs, okay. How do I say this? Sometimes it really helps when you have assistance or you have someone patting you on the back, telling you it's going to be okay. And if you don't have that, it's, it's, it can be a lot harder to get through life. Yes. I, I agree a hundred percent. So as you're going down this road of, you know, owning your own business. Have you had any mentors or coaches that, you know, really helped you along the way? Um, yeah, Scott Leeper. 
he's a he's actually a local coach by me and he also went to hci i uh i have been trying to find him you know i kind of mentor i followed people like nathan waltz uh jack cruz andy mant uh there's a few people that i follow um but not when you say mentor you know it's generally supposed to be someone you want to be just like and i didn't really want to be just like them and uh but i found scott and scott's actually from south bend which is like 20 30 minutes down the road and he is someone that i really want i've just started uh getting close with him and and we're he's been working on a book so he hasn't had time to mentor me but he said that after the new year's we go i go to san diego this for a master retreat for my schooling and um and he's gonna be there so i definitely am gonna talk to him then yeah i know scott he's an awesome guy really, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah i'm excited to get it when he uh, launches his book i'm really excited about that yeah i me too i'm definitely gonna have to get it so what are you guys going on now who are you coaching tell me about this mental mental illness who, who you want to coach I, I know you were a health and wellness coach but what, what do you want to where do you want to be in another year from now? In another year, I, I honestly, I want to, that's hard to, it's hard to say because for me, my platform of the people surrounding me, they, they don't, they're not interested in health or at least the ones that I, my generation is, I guess. And I have to, my problem is, is that I've made myself a hermit. So I have to get myself out there and, um, and I'm trying to do like different clubs and just meet new people. Um, but I really specifically, I want, I want to help people that have, they have this feeling like it'll never change. Like it'll never be different. Um, Cause I thought that I'd always be this way. I'd always, I remember crying on the couch and my wife holding me and I'd say, I'd, I'd never amount to anything and I'd always be worthless. And she kept telling me, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not. And I know there's a lot of people out there that feel that way and they don't need to, they don't have to, things can change. It, it just depends on if they're willing to make it change or not. I just want to be that one to help them change. Yes, because you can, uh, people that, you know, some people want to change and some people don't want to change, you know, and you, mm -hmm. and you can't help the people that you can't help the people that, that don't want to change. That's what I've found. Yeah, you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I love that saying. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just, right now I'm trying to expand my knowledge. And honestly, I'm trying to reach out to the older, the generation that's slightly older than me. Because people my age, they really, they're like, oh, I'm 20. You know, I'm, I'm fearless or I'm invincible and nothing's going to hurt me. I got... I got 20 years until I'm going to even have to worry about that. And <laughs> I'm like, that's not the case, but okay. No, that's, uh, I'll tell you, my, my son, my son passed away at 27 years old. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, that was three and a half years ago and uh, it was mostly attributed to uh, his health. So anybody out there that thinks they're invincible, they're full of shit. Yeah. So I got to tell you that when you say you're going after uh, an older audience, I think you should, you know, I think you think about helping people your age because they need the help. Because, you know, when I first started coaching, I was talking to people with diabetes. And these people are late 30s, early 40s. And the, the, the problems that they had and the, and the, uh, the mistakes they made all happened in their 20s. Oh, wow. So they're paying the price now for all the, the bad things they did in their early 20s. So you want to save somebody's life, you want to help somebody live longer, help the younger people. That's just yeah, a thought that I had. No, you're you're definitely you're definitely right. My, I uh, I was just having this. I was just saying this yesterday because I was commenting on how if you look at a children's menu when you go to any restaurant, you'll only see macaroni and cheese or pizza or a hot dog. You know, there's no sustenance there. If you go to an adult menu, you get vegetables and fruits and all this other stuff. And it's because parents don't want to put the extra effort in to make sure their kids eat right. And I, that, I guess that's a huge factor for me was cause I was saying you can't really be upset with your teenagers in mid twenties 
being upset and uh, and confused with their health in general if you've never cared to begin with in the first place. So I've I've actually kind of focused on the the young young generation, but that doesn't mean I should not focus on mine as well. So we where where are you finding where are you going to be finding your clients? What kind of things you got? What kind of actions you're taking to start finding some clients for yourself? I want to. I used to work at Whole Foods, um, and I want to book some talks at Whole Foods with maybe the uh, not maybe, but with the employees and potentially customers that come through because Health Foods is a a health conscious store, and um, I know a lot of people that work there, so that was going to be in my next bout. And then I also Panera. I was going to do a couple talks at Panera. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So have you have you made any progress? Have you reached out and started talking to somebody that to to get them interested in the thought of having having some kind of a a workshop or a, some kind of a lunch that you know you can do speaking in in their cafeteria there or something? Yeah, I actually have been talking to some people at Whole Foods already and I've put a couple flyers up at Whole Foods. Um so I I've just been trying to walk down this step like I said, it's been a full week since I stopped smoking cannabis. So I wanted to get that like out of me before yep. I, I, I want to be completely professional and, and hit this scene. So I didn't want it to be any kind of hindrance. So it, it's kind of been a delay factor for me. But now that it's out of my system, I can buckle down and get serious, like for serious, serious. Because I've been serious. It's just like I said, weed doesn't make you super serious. And that's been my biggest problem. <laughs> I mean, personally, I would love to hear a talk about how, how bad weed is for you. I mean, because I mean, somebody, a lot of people listening to this say, yeah, well, no smoking pot is bad shit, but I eat the edibles. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. It's not, it's just the same. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, uh, that's something that if, if there was a talk about cannabis and, and the addiction and how it affects the mind, body, and your life, you would have people lined up for miles, especially parents these days, you know, that have uh, children that are kind of addicted to this stuff. Yeah, that'd be a great, well, yeah, stuff, man. Like you said, back in, back 20 years ago, you could smoke a joint and still walk around and people didn't even really tell you were high. Nowadays, you can go to work, smoke a joint, go to work, function like a, like a pretty much normal human being, but just a little happier. I mean, yeah. I, was in Amsterdam, I was in Amsterdam a couple of months ago, and it's the happiest place in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm hey. condoning smoking weed, but uh, yeah. <laughs> smoking weed is great because it numbs out your pain, but it's terrible because it numbs out your happiness as well. Very well put. I love that. I love that. Because the weed was numbing my pain, but it was numbing who I am. And that's why I'm so introverted now. That's why I, that's why, like I said, I have to get out of my house because I've been like a hermit because I smoked. I don't want to walk up to someone when my eyes are all red and, and, and I feel retarded. And, and then I try talking to them and they're like, oh, this kid's high. I'm not going to take anything he has seriously. Right. So it's, I just did nothing. You're not going to establish any kind of credibility like that. No, sir. No, sir. Well, good but now you. I can. Good for you on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, any advice to give anybody that's just starting out thinking about getting into any kind of business? You know, you're, I know you're early into it, but any advice that, that you have, because you do have wisdom, you've had amazing life experiences and now you're looking to, uh, to help other people. So that, that's incredible. Anything to share with the entrepreneurs out there that are thinking about starting a business or are into it and, uh, you know, having some troubles. There's no better time than today waiting for tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes because I've lived that life for a few years now. Just waiting tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. And tomorrow never comes. There's no better time than right now. And, um, and on top of that is don't be as scared of failure. I'm, I, uh, I've been not scared of failure, but I don't, I know I can do great. And I know, I know I will do great. And I know that I will change the world, but, that whole thing from my teenage years is like, you're not good enough and all this other stuff still creeps up in my head. But one of my, I don't know if you know Dom Campbell, but he, he told me a very wise sentence and it goes, players never score from the bench. 
So if you want to score, Dustin, you have to get off the bench. And there's going to be times that you miss your shot, but at least you shot. I love that. I love that. Players never score from the bench. So I have to get off, get off my ass and get out there and start doing the work. And for all those for all those people out there that have these these stories, you know, like you had those stories about, you know, the ADHD and all that stuff. What do you tell those people when, you know, they try to get past those stories? Like, how do they forget the labels that they were given? Yes. Own who you are. Know know who you are. Don't let someone else tell you who you are, because that's. That's that's now giving the control of your own emotions to someone else. You're not controlling how you feel about yourself. You're letting them do that for you. I love that. That's that's yeah. that's that's incredible. Thank you. So this has been this has been fantastic. What I typically like to ask, you know, everybody at the end of the podcast is uh if you could put a phrase or a statement on a billboard to inspire other entrepreneurs, what would it say? You got this. Got this. I love it. Nice and simple to the point. Mm-hmm. I was going to say just do it, but I didn't want to steal it from Nike. <laughs> somebody stole that from you a couple. I did a podcast a couple weeks ago. Somebody, somebody used that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I foresaw that. That's why I didn't choose it. So, Dustin, thank you so much. Where can people find you? You have a website, phone number. Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, under Dustin Andrew Johnson. There's so many Dustin Johnsons out there, it's kind of hard to find me. But you can find me under Dustin Andrew Johnson. I got a picture of me and um, Sean Stevenson's, so there's that. And then I'm also on Instagram as Coach underscore Malone underscore 92. Because they say I look like Post Malone, so I'm like using that as marketing. I like it. I like it. And, and then uh, my phone number is 574-575-3838. And my email would be Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N-A underscore Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, 555 at yahoo.com awesome thank you so much john uh i was gonna say johnson thank you so much Justin, <laughs> for spending this time with me your story is incredible and i wish you got them but the best and i know you're going to change the world and help a lot of people thank you so much for inspiration and inspiration thank you so much for having me rich it was a pleasure okay i'll talk to you soon have a have a great week you too sir good thank one you. bye bye-bye Hey, Richie here, and I want to thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if there are any other entrepreneurs out there that are, that have an amazing story, that they overcome adversity, challenges, and obstacles, please send me an email at uh, what's up at richieprior.com, W-H-A-T-S, up at richieprior.com. And in the subject line, put uh, podcast. I'll put whatever you want. I don't give a shit. Just Send me an email at that address if you're an entrepreneur. You got an amazing story. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, I love my guests, and uh, thanks again for listening. Peace out. Yeah.